Hello and welcome to Brits on the Flicks, your monthly movie podcast where we deliberate, discuss and dissect a movie at random that we have chosen in the previous episode. This month's movie is The Thirteenth Warrior, which was chosen from a list of five financial bombs that I had uh, picked last month. <laughs> yep. Um, so Brian, tell us a little bit about your history with The Thirteenth Warrior. Uh, well, this this was a blind buy for me. Uh, I, I mean, this came out roughly around the time that really DVD players took off. Mm. Uh, so you know, t- tail end of the nineties, and I think this was one of the first DVDs I bought. I remember L.A. Confidential and Lethal Weapon Four being the first two that I ever bought. I bought them at the same time, um, and and this one actually. It, it seemed to be one of those DVDs that you got free with DVD players. I, I remember where, wherever you went, shops were doing deals where you'd, you'd buy a DVD player and you got five DVDs free with it, and this was one of them. And in fact, I think that's how I ended up with this. I don't think it was a blind buy now that I'm thinking about it. I think someone I know bought a DVD player, and this was one of the films that came with it, and I hadn't seen it. They didn't like it, so I said, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll take it off your hands. Like, so, yeah, I mean, Antonio Banderas was, was pretty big at the time, you know, like amongst, amongst film fans. Uh, and, uh, you know, big swords, kind of Viking epic type film. Uh, we didn't have too many of them around at that point, so I thought, yeah, it look, looks interesting. Disney's behind it. How bad can it be? Uh, and, yeah, so, you know, got it. Watched it, wasn't too impressed. I mean, John McTiernan's name being on it kind of excited me as well. He'd done two of the best action movies of all time, in Predator and Die Hard, and uh, yeah, I just thought, you know, this, this it's got everything going for it. And yeah, I, I think mm. I was just really bitterly disappointed when I watched it, and, I, and I've just never been back to it since. So that was like 1999, so, yeah, it's mm-hmm. been some time, nearly 20 years since I've seen it. Wow. Um, uh, this is one of the ones I saw in the, the cinema. I think I was one of the few people that saw it in the cinema. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and, and I picked it up in blue, not Blu-ray, DVD, uh, when it came out. And I remember watching this a lot. Um, it was a movie that I really, really liked. And I seemed to be the only person that I knew that actually enjoyed this movie couldn't find anybody else and over time just naturally it just falls to the back of the list and you never check it out so it's been a good 10, 10 years since I last saw it so I was, I was excited to revisit it and amongst the rest of the movies that we had last month <laughs> this would have been my ideal pick mm. um, obviously as long as we never got Battlefield Earth I was happy <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I was looking forward to checking this out, like your, yourself. I didn't really know too much about the history of it. It was kind of like roundabout internetish time as well, so you didn't have everybody going, this is like a huge bomb, or um, people naysaying it on the internet. It was just pretty much word of mouth around your friends. John McTiernan's name on it, who, like you said, has made some amazing movies. He's also made some tosh as well. Um, so let's just get into it, Brian. Let's, let's just get into the 13th Warrior. So have you got a, a fantastic synopsis for us? I have. I've, I've cribbed this from various different people's synopsis on IMDb and pieced them together to come up with my own. Um, I think you'll like the ending for this. 
Happy Wonderland time. Okay. In AD 922, Arab courtier Ahmad Ibn Fadlan accompanies a party of Vikings to the barbaric north. Fadlan is appalled by the Vikings' customs, their wanton sexuality, their disregard for cleanliness, and their cold-blooded human sacrifices. And then he learns the horrifying truth. He has been enlisted with 12 other men to combat the terrifying Wendell, creatures that slaughter the Vikings in the north and devour their flesh. Can Fadlan fight alongside these primitive savages and put their differences aside? Will he be able to reconcile his Islamic faith with the strange beliefs of this Viking culture? And will he be able to survive long enough to establish the legend of the 13th warrior? <laughs> well done, Brian. <laughs> I was thinking about it uh, over the weekend, going, how's he going to work this one into the final line? He did it fairly well. Um, okay, so this movie came out in 1999. It had like a production budget of about 160 million. Wow, blimey. Yeah, wow, wow indeed. Um, would this kind of movie get made today, do you think? Uh, I I think we hot on the heels of the likes of Game of Thrones and the newly greenlit Lord of the Rings TV series. I think yeah, I think we're going to see movies like this getting greenlit. Um, I just think this came out at the wrong time. Uh, and and I do think, I mean, my memory of it was was it was really just hazy. Um. I don't remember it having particularly great production value, in all honesty, but I, I I watched it for this show just a couple of nights ago, in fact. And i got to say, there, there's some really great production design on this, mm-hmm. like almost Lord of the Rings-level production design. Like when you go, they go to the Viking town, yeah, and you, you, you know, they're not they're not structures that they've just happened upon. They're, they're them things have been built. This this yeah. whole production it's a big set. design, yeah, um, but it looks good. It kind of reminds me of um, in in the Two Towers, Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. Two Towers. The um, I I can't remember what it's called, but the, the little kingdom on top of the hill with the it's got that ki- the, the king who's kind of been. Like worm tongue has kind of been whispering yeah. in his ear, and he's all decrepit. So that set in Lord of the Rings, it reminds me of that—the level of production design that's gone into it. And I, and I think throughout the film, in fact, um, it, it does feel very authentic with regards to the detail of the period. You know, the, the Viking kind of um, armor and and clothing and and the buildings like i say so mm-hmm. yeah i mean i'm no historical expert don't get me wrong but you know i've 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 dabbled a little bit in the history of these things because i i've made i've made films uh it, you know historical documentaries and yeah like to me i'm i'm i am sold on the production design if 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 nothing else that i think that's definitely something worth um giving kudos to mm-hmm. And it even goes down to the costumes as well. The costumes are, are, are fantastic and, and all unique. Nobody's kind of fam- like wearing familiar clothes. They're all kind of got their own thing going on there. Yeah. Things that they've pieced together. You can tell with the, the sort of Norsemen, the, the Vikings, that they've pieced together their clothing throughout their battles and, and, and various things, that have, various cultures that they've taken things from. Um, 
the actual story itself, so you, you start off, your main character's uh, an Arab man, uh, played by a Spanish man. <laughs> <laughs> Which, <laughs> okay, okay, we'll say nothing more about that kind uh-huh. of thing. But um, it, it starts off, um, it gives you like a brief, a very, very constructed brief history of our main character and just the life that he, it's his voiceover, the life that he lived, uh, the world that he was in, and how he was just kind of sent out into the world because of some transgressions that he had. On a dodgy CGI ship. On a dodgy CGI ship, <laughs> yes, they do. Um, but I like the fact that this is a movie that doesn't really get hung up in the, the intricacies almost. It wants to get into like a rip-roaring adventure. It wants to get it started, so it doesn't take too long in setting up this main character. It just kind of throws him into the deep end. This is, guys, this is some characteristics that we're just going to tell you, we're not going to show you, and then boom, He's going to meet the Norsemen. Um, what do you think of his character? Uh, I, t- to be honest, I, I'm I like I like Antonio Banderas. I do, yeah. and, and I think about halfway through the film, I do warm to him in this role. I kind of get over that hurdle of the fact that you know he he's Spanish, not <laughs> 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 not Arab. Um, but I, like for the first kind of half of this film, I find him just a little bit too bouncy, a little bit too Antonio Banderas, <laughs> a little bit too Puss in Boots, I guess. You know, I, I right. think mm-hmm. like I think Puss in Boots almost has has become a bit of a noose around his neck because now as soon as you hear that voice, his his voice is is Puss in Boots. Um, so when he comes on the scene and. You know, starts interacting with these Vikings. It just, yeah, it's a little bit jarring. Um, mm-hmm. That being said, like for, as for the character itself, yeah, I I, I kind of like him, but uh, there there are a few inconsistencies. Like, th- there's this one moment when it seems like he's quite fearful. It seems like he's afraid. He, he he's surprised that he's been chosen as the 13th warrior and it's almost mm-hmm. like he doesn't know if he's got the courage to do it and at one point he he literally says i'm not a warrior you know he 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 says that to the to the rest of the crew i'm not a warrior mm-hmm. uh and yet all of a sudden he makes his own sword and not only does he make his own sword he's pretty dab hand with it you know he 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 does that little manoeuvre where he's flicking the sword around and then he puts it to the throat of the Viking guy. And you're like, dude, two minutes ago you were like panicking as to whether or not you were warrior material. I think, mm. Like from the look of it, you could take out all these dudes. Um, so <laughs> it's like, yeah, so little inconsistencies like that kind of, I think, make the character not as good as it could have been. Like, I think it would have worked better had he been genuinely not that great with a sword and, you know, m- more of a intellectual rather than mm. a, 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 a warrior. And that's kind of how the film starts off. That's kind of the impression they give you as to where they're going with it and that, you know, somewhere along the line he's going to have to find his courage. Mm. So, yeah, so for me that was a bit of a... bit of a bug yeah, I kind of like the aspect of him. The character at the beginning kind of almost... He's a diplomat, but he's kind of like a condescending diplomat, you know, judging people 
and, and not really like, attuning to their customs, almost disgusted by their customs. But as he spends more time in amongst these Vikings, I think he starts to see the qualities that they do possess, you know, their bravery, uh, their unity, things like that. And I think that rubs off a little bit on him. And he uses his intelligence um, as in taking, like he's given a sword which he just can't wield. Mm-hmm. So he cuts it down to something that is going to be more, you know, uh, easier for him to use. Um, even when he's yeah, mocked. But, but, but that still doesn't explain why he's got the ninja moves, you know. Well, Brian, to <laughs> hark back to the Hitcher, um, I think I think he is given the self-belief. Is it the Hitcher? Oh, come it? on. There's, there's self-belief and then there's <laughs> no, like 10 years training. No, sorry, it? sorry, it was the X-Files Revisited episode uh, 3 we were talking about where the guy had the belief that he was a vampire and became a vampire. I believe that he had the belief that he could be a warrior because he was chosen. It, no, it didn't make him a better <laughs> fighter, though, did it? He got his ass handed to him twice by Mulder. Yeah, but so... he didn't believe he was a fighter. He believed he was a vampire. <laughs> um, no, no, sorry, I think not it, buying it. could it. be as well that the, 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 old, the old woman, the kind of witch woman that, that does the prophecy, um, knows that he is a warrior, knows that he has something that will come out of him even if he doesn't have it himself. And Yeah. Yeah, Mystical I, sword I, skills I, are part of that. I think you're reaching. I think you're reaching big time. And I think any anyone listening to this can smell right through it. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do you think of these Vikings then? These... I love them. Absolutely. I think they're terrific. They're just like, they just look like an awesome group of guys. They've got this camaraderie. They've obviously spent a long period of time together. They've got the mutual respect. They've got the skills. They trust each other. They'll... they'll, they'll lay down their life for each other they, they, they kind of have that camaraderie the fun, poking fun at each other and I think they're terrific even like the head guy's kind of stoic and, and wants to live up to this kind of legacy, the, the guy that takes him under his wing is almost like a real friend, brother figure for him, in fact calls him little brother all the time mm. I had so much fun, every time it's with this group of characters I was just like this is great like d- I kind of got that Hobbit vibe about them. You know, the way yeah. that they set them up in the Hobbit and we meet them all. And it's the, it's the same number, isn't it? All to, like, in, in the Hobbit, isn't there 13 of them? I thought it was nine. Is it nine? No. Well, I, I know there's... Uh, oh, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember. I, there's a, a, a reasonable amount of these dudes anyway. <laughs> Um, mm. And it, it's kind oh, of. Sorry, I'm thinking Lord, Lord of the Rings. There's nine. Yeah, there was nine like men, men, wasn't there? Nine men who yeah. who were given rings or something like that. But uh, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. It yeah, we're off track. Yeah, anyway. I get what you're but uh-huh. but it it has that kind of vibe about it. The way he comes into their midst and and has to kind of get to know them. And I do feel like in the same way that they do with the Hobbit, it makes some of the characters among them suffer because. We we don't really get a chance to know them all in any great depth. Like th- there are three that stick out to me, and that's the yeah. the one you mentioned who calls him little brother. Yeah. There's the the leader of them, um, yeah. whose name I can't remember. Um, it's, 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 it begins with a B. Yeah, but but yeah, I can't remember. Um, and then there is the red headed guy, and the only reason I remember him is not because of his his character so much as the actor who's playing him um and it's it's the dude who played the main villain in the second underworld film 
Uh, and, and yeah, literally, if, 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 if that hadn't been a known face to me, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to tell you anything about the character. So I, I think because, like I say, there's so many of these guys, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah, I... I I find them fairly indistinct, other than, like I say, those two main ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, but you, you do, do you get the say, aspect of a lot of fun when they're on screen? Or I, like I, yeah, I do get that. I, like, I, I, I don't want people to think that that's too much of, of, of an over-criticism, mm-hmm. because I do like these guys. I you know, when, when we see the camaraderie between them, and we, we see their like Viking ways, so to speak... Um, that is fun. It is it is fun to watch, and I I do go along with these guys. And, and I do like how we you see through the lead characters' eyes that they, they do come across as pretty barbaric, but these guys are incredibly smart when it comes to war and tactics. Mm. And, and more than one occasion, you get to see that throughout it. And he's almost amazed at how these guys that look and act a certain way have more substance to them than he first imagined. That um, there's a fight scene. Um, when they're at this, this this compound where somebody there is almost a, a kind of worm tongue, the, the king, mm. and he gets a guy to fight um, one yeah. of the, the, our hero Vikings. Mm. And uh, he's getting beat up. And eventually he just, uh, at a turn of a sword, cuts the guy's head off immediately and, and he explains to Bandera's character that he's done it for tactics, you know, to really make the other person wary and to think about the things that he can't see on the surface, and it just it does little things like that that just made me go like you know like almost fist pump the and just go like yeah I love these guys even more. <laughs> just... Yeah, I, I, and I do like that fight sequence actually. Um, there's a lot of power in in the in the weaponry, you know, like yeah, you see you often see fights with swords and shields in films, and and you kind of feel like oh I. I could have a go of that, get stuck in there, because it it feels lighter than what it actually is. Whereas here, you yeah. feel the heft of the swords, oh, and, yeah. and when that sword keeps breaking the dude's shield, you're kind of like, oh. "There's no way I would I would get, you know, I would pick up a sword and a shield and go up against that guy." So I I do like that. I, what I will say is, I'm not as keen on the fight sequences in the big battle scenes um right. I, I don't think they last long enough mm-hmm. uh like we have a lot of build-up to those scenes um you know we get that scene where the the, the fire snake as they call it is kind of coming yeah. down the hill which which does look pretty pretty good quite menacing and and it, it's <coughs> again you know remembering that this was before lord of the rings uh-huh. it, it reminds me of the scene with Helm's Deep, where all the yeah. orcs and the Urukai are making their way up to Helm's Deep, and you just see them all approaching, and and it builds the tension. You know what's going to happen. The thing with Lord of the Rings, the thing with Two Towers, is that once that tension is is it's kind of unleashed, you get a really good twenty minute battle sequence in which we see a lot of close quarter fighting, uh, a lot of detail. Whereas with this, we I I feel like. We, the, the the fights themselves once once it kicks off mm-hmm. is somewhat anticlimactic because one we we can't really see what's going on all that much and it doesn't really last all that long it, you're talking like five minutes of, of bloodshed and then and then it's over and after such a, a good build up you know that, that this where they're, they're all kind of behind the the the, uh, the compound 
like mm-hmm. gates and it, you know it, 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 I, I do I think McTiernan does a really good job of building up that tension and I think if this had been a more modern film we'd have had a bit more of a satisfying kind of uh, end result to that build up mm-hmm. of tension yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I'm kind of fine with them they could do with a little bit longer yeah I'd probably agree with that but um, when they do hit they, they are pretty vicious and pretty bloody as well um, the movie doesn't really hold back on the viscera that you see on screen, does it? No, it's um, it's 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 pretty good. Like there's some f- pretty decent head loppings and things like that. <laughs> yeah. um, there's a bit at the start when uh, the Viking leader's dead and they're sitting at a meal and somebody attacks uh, the new uh, leader of the group mm. and he just slices him right up the middle mm. and it's, you see this cut up here in the blood yeah. and it's, it, it looks pretty gnarly. Reminded um, me of Rob Roy. <laughs> yeah, and ending yeah. of Rob Roy when he just goes straight through him with a sword, but yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, you have these other set pieces, these action set pieces, which are pretty good. So let's look at the bad guys. I think the bad guys are pretty good because they build them up as like a mythical creature mm. at the start, and then all the way through the movie, or most of the way, you don't really get a good look at these things. No. You just know they're they're weirdly shaped. They're kind of animalistic. It's kept the mystery about it, you know, are they fighting some mysterious creature or, or what? I, I, I kind of like that aspect of it. Mm. I, I, I like that the, the when, you, when you look at it from a historical context, you know, like we now live in the so-called enlightened era. Um, back then it's like, yeah, you, you dress someone up in a bear suit and stick claws on them and have them roam around in the woods killing people. It's a very good tactic, I think, to, to build up fear and mm-hmm. create a mythology of, of something living in the woods. Um, <clears throat> so Seems like you've just described the village. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah no, no, it works. It'd be like you said, there's that really good imagery. It always shows you this mountain and the mist kind of falling down from it, mm. which sort of like indicates there's going to be danger coming in. And like you said, that big, uh, the fire snake, that they, they see coming is quite a, a good image as well. Mm. And then when we figure out that it is actually men um, and that the, the Vikings decide to go on the, the offensive, they go to their home ground and it's this really weird cave um, that, that leads deep into the ground and you get the, the female leader and all that and she's all weird looking and got a snake around her neck. and mm. You get a right good look at these things and they, and they do, although they're men, they're kind of animalistic men. I got, I got a little bit confused, I must say, with that scene because <clears throat> they go to the strange woman um, yeah. <laughs> who kind of tells them what they need to do in order to, to end this, you know, and, and she says, like, did they bring that, they're carrying that sculpture around, you know, because yeah. the, uh, the, the, the Wendell, they, they carry these little sculptures of this kind of woman's body, like, like a really fat woman's body. Uh, almost looks like a female Buddha. And, uh, and, <laughs> it does. and it's, it's symbolic of this, this woman that they worship, they follow. Mm. Um, so she says, you've got to destroy that and you've got to kill their leader. Mm. So when they get into the caves, <clears throat> they literally come across this huge almost like totem pole version of that little model so in my mind i was like oh that's the thing they need to destroy uh-huh. and but then they just walk away from it and i'm like uh 
what's going on here then? And then they meet these these skinny woman with a snake around her neck. Yeah. And I'm like, it didn't twig to me that she was the thing they need to go to destroy <clears throat> until just yeah. after they'd done it. Um, I, and, and I think having that big totem pole version of it there mm. only added confusion to me because it's like, okay, that that's clearly a, a massive version of the thing they carry around. That must be the thing that, that she meant destroy. So destroy that. Why aren't you destroying it? Why are you walking away? Hey, guys, come back. So, yeah. I, I never got that at all. Right. Um, I don't know if it's because I've seen the movie so many times that it's just mm-hmm. ingrained that they're going to kill this woman, but, yeah, you know, when they say you need to go and kill the mother, I just assume that's the kind of, like, patriarchal victory. You've got the, you've got the, the city guy with the, the two horns. He's the city male leader of the tribe, and then you've got this woman who's some kind of, like, weird uh, witchy-type woman who's mm-hmm. the kind of mother of the tribe and I think you take off these two patriarchal figures and the, the, the thing's just going to fall down but like I said I've seen the movie a few times so I didn't even notice that mm. uh, idea which you know, seems possible enough um, I think they're going to say they're going to look looking, you know, checking all these women looking for a really big one to, to kill them. <laughs> yeah well it's just like like I say it's just if, if, if we hadn't had that big totem I, I wouldn't have got confused I don't think um, but it's just yeah, they come across this random skinny woman <coughs> who doesn't really bear any kind of resemblance to, you know, if if she'd had a mark, like maybe, maybe yeah. the, maybe the little things they were carrying, if they had like a white painted on mark that signifies it, and then she had it on her chest, then then I don't know, maybe it would have twigged a bit better, but. Mm-hmm. And then then. Um, <coughs> I'm trying to figure out like whose whose story is this? Who who's who's the the main player? Like obviously we have it's, the Arab who's watching everything, but is it the story of this Viking leader? Is it his legacy? Uh, I I I think that. I think that Antonio Banderas is our main protagonist. I think we're we're mm. seeing things through his eyes. I think it's essentially his story, <clears throat> but the stories of the people around him become part of his story. And I think ultimately that's what the film is about. You know, it's <clears throat> it's a culture clash movie. It's it's one of those movies yeah. where you have someone from a much more decadent society, uh, you know, it's someone who believes in cleanliness and, and, and uh, education and that kind of thing. Uh, and... He he's kind of thrown into the midst of these people who burn people in sacrifices. You know, we have this scene at the beginning where this woman climbs onto the boat of her dead father and she has to go with him. You know, they set the boat on fire and she has to go with him. She doesn't complain about it. She just does it almost voluntarily. Like, it, this is just a part of their customs. And he can't get his head around that. He do, He can't... He can't weigh that up with his faith, his belief, um, and his what his culture believes, uh, and and I think that instantly sets you up that the, the these two can these two cultures can only ever be opposed, but once they have to go up against a a threat that is you know that is there's an equal threat to both of them and they're forced to kind of band together, you start to realise that there's not so many differences as as they might think. Uh, yes, they have different practices. Yes, they have different beliefs. 
But at the end of the day, they're still people. And he goes away at the end of that, kind of having learnt that, really. So he, he learns that through these Vikings. And so I, I think it is his story, but you need to see the story of, of, of these other guys in order to see what it is he's learnt. Yeah, 100%. And you do... Like you get that little monologue at the start where he's explaining his lifestyle and then you get a little bit of monologue at the end explaining his lifestyle now where he wants to be a good servant to God. You know, he kind of it says that at the end whereas at the start he's kind of like uh, got a, an idea of somebody's wife that he would like to <laughs> uh, uh, spend an evening yeah. with at least. Yeah, so you get that dichotomy through this. It's changed a little bit. One of the favourite things that the movie does and it's, it is a complete rip-off of uh, McTiernan's earlier movie, The Hunt for Red October, but it's the moment where uh, the language change. You know that it came. Yeah, I, and I like this. It was actually one of the things I didn't like first time around, and right. I think I I must have blinked and missed something because the first time I watched it, it I got the feeling that this guy had sat around a campfire with them overnight and suddenly <laughs> learned their language, and it instantly I was like, no. Not buying it yet this time around. <laughs> I noticed the changing of you know the weather and things like that, and it's just like maybe if they'd moved them to different locations a bit mm-hmm. better, made maybe establish that a bit better. Um, but uh, but yeah, you, clearly this is something he's learned over weeks of being with them. So you know he's, he's been with them for weeks, just studying them, taking down every detail to the point where he, he can learn their language, you know. And this, this this is something that there are people in this world that can do. You know, you, you look yeah. at ling, linguists are, are able to, to do that. They're, um, you know, the, the best linguists in the world, they, they they can study languages and get to grips with them really quickly. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's obviously the reason why this guy has been chosen. As, I mean, obviously the... The guy wanted to get him away from his wife, but yeah. the the reason he said, "Okay, yeah, this would be the position for him," is because of that that reason. You know, he he's he's good at languages. It makes him a perfect um, candidate to go and study other cultures, to go and go out as an ambassador for their for their nation. So yeah, um, I yeah I liked that way of doing it. Um, you go to wonder why it's not used more often because it's a really nice way of transitioning mm. from one language into another, you know, just that kind of like zoom into the mouth as it changes from whatever language into yeah. English. It's 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 it's, just... it's it's a more comfortable way of doing it, I think. I mean like yeah. we get movies where, you know, we, we have American actors playing Germans or American actors playing, you know, whatever. And and we we always moan about it. We always kinda of like, oh, it's just really jarring. Why are they speak in, in a in an American language? You know, and it's just mm. I mean, I remember the first time, well, obviously I'd seen Hunt for Red October, I'd seen this, so this was the first time I saw it, but the first time I remember seeing something like this was actually in Valkyrie, which is a film that I find to be really underrated, mm-hmm. and they do the same thing with that. Tom Cruise, at the beginning of the film, he's writing this letter, writing in this journal, and he's speaking in German, and as as he continues speaking in German, the, 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 the la- his, his voice, his, what he's saying starts to fade into English and then from then on you like the the rest of the film you're kind of you're you're comfortable with it it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. that it's this American dude playing it because they've used this technique at the beginning of the film to ease you in they've acknowledged it they're saying look 
We know these guys are Americans. Just imagine that what they're saying is German. And, and that, to me, it sits better with me than just simply starting the film off where everyone can speak English. <laughs> there, 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 was, there was one thing with the... Um, going back to the battle sequences, um, I, I, it kind of annoyed me a bit that the Wendell just got up and left because there must have been what? At least hundreds of them, if, yeah. if not a couple of thousand. And yeah. they're attacking a village which is literally the only warriors they've got there are these 13 warriors. And, and a few, you know, a few of the others that were there of the king, but they're not, they're not heavily outfitted. And it didn't feel like they were, they were losing, you know, it didn't feel like they were fighting a losing battle. And all of a sudden they just think, right, we're done, let's go. Um, <laughs> so I, that to me, I'm, su I'm surprised by why, why would they do that? Uh, did they go in there just to get enough to eat or, or what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they, were, they were definitely losing more people than the, the Vikings were. Maybe it could just have been food or, or maybe they just went for this Blitzkrieg attack where they, you know, attacked, caused mayhem and then they're taking their dead away as well. Yeah. And, and just leaving this mysterious effect of these monster creatures just decimating it and then running away, vanishing into it. Yeah, it's one of these things. Um, I can see your point there. W what about um, the movie's failings? Like, the movie did really poorly at the box office. Do you think it was just too soon? Because I, I don't think Wrong this time. is a bad movie. <clears throat> no, I, I don't actually. And I, I, g Given what I said at the end of last, the last episode of, of our main Brits on Flicks podcast about this film um, and given what I said at the beginning of this one, I, I, I do have to take it back. I, I've got to say, I, I don't mind taking it back. Um, I, I still don't think it's a classic by any stretch. I, I don't think it's a fantastic film, but it absolutely 100% did not deserve to bomb in the way that it did. Um, mm. I, I think that there's a lot to be entertained by here and like I say it's got a, amazing production design on it I, I do feel like it to, to me at any rate feels very authentic uh, and, and I do like a lot of the interaction between these characters particularly the, the three main ones you know Banderas and those, and those two main Vikings mm -hmm. um, and, and it do, like it does feel very much like a precursor to Lord of the Rings, you know, mm -hmm. it, 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 this, I think this was 99, was it? Yeah. Um, yep. uh, you know, just two years later, we got Lord of the Rings. And based on the lack of success this film had, it's a real surprise that they mm -hmm. pushed through with Lord of the Rings. I mean, I don't know if Lord of the Rings was in production at this point, because obviously given how long they, they shot yeah. on that, it's, it very well could have been in production. But I, I seem to recall only hearing things about Lord of the Rings around around 2000, but that could just be because they weren't ready to release anything yet. Um, so, I don't know, maybe, maybe they'd already started on it and had to commit or, or what, but yeah, I, I think if I was a, a movie executive and yeah this film came out and bombed the way it did i think i would have had mm -hmm. serious doubts about pushing forward with lord of the yeah. rings G given how you know 
given how much they committed to it with shooting all three back to back. Um, this was like based on a book by Michael Crichton, mm. um, and and it seems to be like the production team was McTiernan and Crichton, so they've obviously worked together, like to get this movie up on screen. So it's like two creative forces that have worked worked together, both with like good histories within mm. Hollywood as well, um, and yet for some reason it's just one of these things that just didn't land with the public. It's just really weird. Maybe it was the time and the place. Maybe somebody, you know, ninety nine. People were like the Matrix. I want this futuristic, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sci-fi action movie. I don't want this. And Star um, Wars. Old. Let's not forget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want Jar Jar Binks. We don't want <laughs> Wendy. <laughs> um, so it could have been just like they wanted the technology. They didn't want the old school looking mm. uh, sword and sandal type of thing. Mm. Uh, you know, they wanted more the, the the modern adventure, which is a shame. But hopefully, it's a movie that's never mentioned anywhere these days at mm. all. No. Um, and I think, like you said, with the, the advent of Lord of the Rings doing so well, the TV series, Game of Thrones, I think it's something that if people went back to revisit it, they'd probably find a movie that they went, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Mm. good I'd, I'd actually like to see the extended cut, because apparently there is a cut of this film that's, I think I think it's like 147 minutes long. What? I didn't um, know this. Yeah, well, it's, it's never been released, and so far there's there's been no word from Disney about it getting a release. But wow. I, I, I honestly think that if Disney pulled their finger out and, 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 and gave it a proper release, released that full cut, given the uh-huh. climate, given the time we live in, I, I think this film would do pretty well on DVD. Yeah, yeah, I... I that, you know, you've got me stoked. I want to see this. I want mm. to see this extended cut to see. It may not be any better, but it, it could be. It could mm. add a lot more into the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll go for wrap ups, Brian. Uh, yeah. Uh, just just before we do, did did you notice the sound of the predator in the yes. film? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. How could uh, you miss it? Uh, yes. No. No mistake there. I don't think there's there's quite a correlation actually. I mean. I, I'm I'm itching to mention a particular film, but I I'm saving it for when we get to our uh, double bill. Um, right. But there's there's so many elements like of that particular film mixed with indeed Predator itself. You know, you think about Predator, this crack team of military guys, fighters, warriors who go into you know the, a harsh environment and and hunt down a creature. And and they're being hunted down by a creature, more to the point, and that's kind of the same here, and and I think, uh, yeah, McTiernan just couldn't help himself, you know. They they go into that little hut and he picks up that that thing off the floor, and you just hear the noise of that predator coming through. And at one point, one point, you know, I I think, it just it excited me because I I just thought, man, what if they'd have done that? What if this would have secretly been a Predator movie? You know, if, when it came out, because pre- Predators have been on this earth before. We, we learned that yeah. in Predator 2. You know, they've been around for a long time, visiting this world. How cool would that have been if this, if this movie that had have turned into a Predator film? Yeah. Um, that just, yeah, that would have been awesome. And uh, if, if McTiernan ever makes his way back to the Predator franchise... I would love to see something like that. 13th Warrior vibe kind of 
next week next week predator that would be awesome great idea because we, we, we always go for current time or future or that let's yeah. take it way back yeah definitely yeah yeah super um, fun but yeah so we wrap up yeah so for me th- this was a really i would say really good film it is a good film it's very entertaining it's much much better than i gave it credit for um a lot of the quibbles in it that I had have kind of disappeared. And I think, again, that comes with age. I think that comes with uh, you watch a, you watch films for certain reasons at a particular age, and those reasons aren't necessarily the same reasons you watch them for when you get to the age that I'm at now. And I, I see a lot more value in this than I did previously. Um, I, I would like to have had the battle sequences a bit more beefed up um, kind of see what's really going on in them and just yeah just it would have been a better payoff for, for, for what was a really good build up to them um, I would have liked some of the characters to be a bit more defined so that when they did die you kind of felt it a bit more uh, but no I, I, I like the way they mesh up these two different cultures I like how authentic the Viking stuff feels Um yeah, it's good. I, I, I like the elements about faith. You know, this guy ultimately, in the end, has to trust in God. Um, and, uh, yeah, that gets him through. So I, 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 I like this film. I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Um, I, I, I would recommend it to, to anyone who's maybe been put off in the past by, the, well, the lack of success at the box mm. office. Which yeah. let's let's remember, Shawshank Redemption did really poorly at the box office. So that that doesn't mean anything. So don't let that yeah. put you off. Don't ever let poor box office put you off seeing a film. At Blade Runner twenty forty nine, that we're looking at you. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this is a movie that, like I said, I, I remember watching a lot and I really liked, and I was happy to go back to. But what I had forgotten about it was what a, just a rip roaring adventure movie it is. And it's, it's done with this fantastic score by Jerry Goldsmith as well. It's, it's all kind of like your typical action-adventure kind of tunes, but it drives the movie forward. Um, I love spending time with the Vikings. I think they're just terrifically fun guys who are capable, um, but kind of guys that you'd want to admire from a distance. <laughs> um, I, I, I just think it's, it's a real popcorn flick. It's enjoyable. There, there's things that aren't going to tie together 100%. There, there's going to be things that aren't completely un, uh, fulfilling. But overall, the movie just entertains. And you know what? I loved it again. If if I I, I, I wasn't, I was being willy-nilly with my scores, I would give it a five. But I'm not going to. But I would but on sheer entertainment that I had from it, it was terrific. For me, it, it's a four out of five. Um, I, I think it's a, a fantastic movie um, and one that I demand listeners go out and check out, please, for the love of God. So so the, uh, the, the man who gave the hitch a three and a half out of five was contemplating giving this a five out of five. I, I just on the sheer, on the watch I had, I was, I, was like, I was just so into it and just going along with the ride. It was just great fun. But the, the movie isn't perfect and it, it shouldn't get a five just because this one time I really dug it I, 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 a friend of mine on YouTube uh, bearded movie guy he he also gave this a 4 on Letterboxd I was I was just flipping through some reviews on Letterboxd the other day I, 
I saw that he'd done one, and yeah, he gave it a four out of five. So, so you're not you're not alone in that. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, there are people out there who do dig this film. But it just it goes to show as well how opinions change, and it's always good to revisit movies that you didn't like as well as movies that you do like, because sometimes as people grow and change, you can find something in a movie that's more rewarding than what you originally found. Yeah, I've definitely. seen that happen a few times. So you've already alluded to the double bill, Brian. So do you want to go first? What would you pair with this? Well, right from the start, really. Just given the way this story unfolds, all I could think of was Seven Samurai. Yeah. Um, you know, this this definitely has a Seven Samurai vibe about it. You know, you get a, a ragtag band of degenerates and people who really shouldn't mix together you know an, an arab with some vikings and they go on adv- an adventure a quest to to save a village you know that's seven samurai that's it's been redone a thousand times in many different movies and here is no different um you know you, you mix mix in a little bit of predator with it and and that's kind of <laughs> kind of what you've got seven samurai meets Predator. Uh, I, I do have another film suggestion, but I won't give that just in case it's the one you're going for. So I'll okay. hand it over to um, you. I, I, there's lots of movies you could pair mm. with this. Absolutely. I had trouble like, nailing it down to what I wanted to pair with it. So ultimately I went with another Men on a Mission um, movie and, and I chose The Dirty Dozen. <laughs> um, a, a group of ragtag criminals, military criminals who are given one last reprise. Um, they can They can get clemency. If they go to a suicide mission, you know, mm. um, you won't rot in jail if you go to this mission where you're probably going to die. Yeah. <laughs> and you get this ragtab group of guys who are just, they don't mix well at all, but they're all highly capable. They know what the job is and they are going to do it. Mm. Um, I think that it doesn't great and it, it kind of goes hand in hand with this. So let's hear your, your other one you had, Brian. For me, this is the most obvious one, which is why I didn't want to use it, um, and that's Outlander. Um, yeah. Literally, it, it may as well be the same story. Substitute an Arab with an alien, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. which sounds pretty dodgy. I, I don't say that to offend anyone. But, yeah, you've got this alien guy. You've got this guy from another world who comes down, crash lands in the middle of, uh, uh, yeah, a Viking town. So he, he ends up kind of teaming up with these Vikings to stop this alien threat. Now, obviously in 13th Warrior, as we get deeper into the film, we learn that these things aren't monsters, they're just men. But for the most part, it, it that, yeah, we the film approaches it from the perspective that, yeah, these, these are monsters that live in, in the hills. And it's the same kind of thing here. We get this alien that comes down, starts attacking these Vikings, and this, this guy, this outsider... This outlander is the is the one who helps them to stop it. So, yeah, yeah, that's a good one as well. Um, okay, so the top five for this episode was top five John McTiernan movies, and uh, I, I was having a little look through his IMDb the other day and was kind of shocked to see that the guy's only done eleven movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen them all, but I was just kind of. Shocked by that fact, you know, because I think his name in the whole host of movies that jumped to, to my head straight away, it was no problem doing a top five at all. Um, the only problem was trying to find out what one I was going to cut out. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's got a pretty good career. Yeah, I, I, out of those 11 movies, I've seen eight. 
So right. it was pretty. Which, which was pretty seen? easy. Say, what had you not seen, Bray? So I've not seen his first film, Nomads. Um, Nomads. Uh, I've not seen Rollerball. Oh, that's, that's awful. Yeah, I, I I had heard, and it does have a three on IMDb. So yeah, yeah. now I do, I don't think you can always trust IMDb marks, but if they're if usually if they're that low, yeah. you can pretty much trust it. Um, so yeah, I kind of yeah I'm not not bothered with Rollerball, and the other one was Basic. Basic. Um, that's that gets a bad reputation as well, but it's actually all right. Yeah, I I watched yeah. the trailer actually just last night, because um, cause I couldn't remember if I'd seen it or not, uh, and I the the trailer did the trailer did intrigue me actually. To yeah. be honest. I I think it looks like a fairly decent kind of middle of the road action movie. Right. So so what are we going to run through our our, our five to two before we have our joint number one? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a no-brainer on this one, Brian. Maybe. Well, I'm not sure. I think that the top two could go. It could go either way, to be honest. Mm. Interesting. Okay. okay, so who wants to go first to the number five? Uh, you go. Num- you you go first. Okay. Uh, number five on my jo- uh, John McTiernan list is the Thirteenth Warrior. Okay. Yeah. This this is really surprising. Really surprising. Yeah. Yes, be- because. Given how much you claim to have loved this film, I've actually put it higher up the list of John McTiernan films. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I do, I really like The 13th Warrior. It's fun, but there's movies on this list that are just ingrained in my soul <laughs> that I've seen okay. that many times um, that I, I love just as much. Um, so, yeah, 13th Warrior, number five. Mm. T- to be honest, my number four and five... Could could swap around if if I watch my number five again. It's been a long time since I've seen my number five choice, and that film is Last Action Hero. Um, mm. It's it's one that I it's it's got a lot of scenes in it that I remember being enjoyable. Like there's there's stuff I can just think about and think, oh yeah, that. And I think if you if you're a lover of action movies, I think it's it's a good movie in that respect because it, it kind of delves into the the tropes and the law in a loving kind of homage way yeah. to action movies, and the fact that although he didn't write the story, Shane Black did come on and do some touch ups on the script. Um, in in places you can see that you can feel that you can tell that oh yeah he he's had a hand in it somewhere. You know I'm, mm. I'm a huge Shane Black fan, um, so that there are moments where yeah. Definitely, it's entertaining. But I remember the kid being super annoying in it, and I remember a lot of the, a lot of the humour maybe not working in the way that it it should. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's it's still a very entertaining flick, I think. So I put it on my number five. Like I say, it's been a long time since I've seen it. It could be better than I'm giving it credit for. So I put it at number five. Okay, uh, my number four is the Hunt for Red October. Uh, a terrific movie, the movies that kind of kick-started the Jack Ryan series. Um, it, it's one of these Cold War thrillers that every time I stick on I'm like, yeah, I watched watch that, it's, it's all right. And then within minutes I am hooked on what is happening. I love the fact that it's jumping from all these various places, from boardrooms to subs um, to, to other submarines trying to like possibly shoot this thing down. 
people trying to figure out people's motivations. I think it's a, a fantastic thriller um, with some amazing performances and the best Scottish Russian I've ever seen <laughs> in my life with Sean Connery, who just will not even attempt to do accents. Oh, man. It's like his Highlander um, yeah. performance. Oh, good grief. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Hunt for Red October is... Well, I, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later on because I don't want to give anything away. But, um, yeah, my number four choice is The Thirteenth Warrior, um, which... We've, we've talked about yeah. at length. So, um, My number uh, three movie is Die Hard with a Vengeance. Um, absolutely terrific. From, from the, the, to be the third entry in a series, um, and especially after the second one, which kind of rehashed uh, the original's plot, this movie kind of reinvigorates John McClane, and it starts off literally with a bang. Yeah. Um, with a great opening tune, and then boom, you're right into it. John McClane is a broken man. He's put into a buddy cop relationship kind of thing with Samuel L. Jackson's two people that just don't get on trying to accomplish something. The, the whole plot uh, harkens back to the original. Uh, it's it's all over New York. It's a great city villain as well, yeah. um, which a lot of these movies really lack. Um, and, and these villainous plot is... Not only revenge, but to make yourself wealthy at the same time. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is one of these movies that has no right to be as good as what it is. Um, and and although the last maybe 15, 20 minutes isn't as great as the rest of the movie, I think the movie's absolutely damn terrific. Yeah, you, you touched on it just there, actually, which is um, like Die Hard with a Vengeance is my number three choice as well. Um, and I gotta say, if the last 20 minutes of this film was as good as everything that preceded it, I would have no trouble saying that, that it was, was e- e- equal footing with the first film, mm. the original Die Hard. Um, possibly even better. Um, you know, there are not many sequels that can claim that. And I think this comes so damn close. Oh, yeah. But it just loses it in those last 20 minutes. I think the, the finale is just not... It's a bit anticlimactic, really. Um, mm. You know, the, the stuff in the tunnel with the trucks, and some pretty dodgy special effects, and we don't really get a proper showdown between McLean and the villain, you know, because the villain's up in a helicopter, McLean's down there, so we don't really get to have them properly face off the way you want them to in a, in a film like this. And that just just loses it a few points for me, just a, a few little brownie points, um, which stops it from being as good as the first one. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, my my number two is Predator. Um, I mean, it's it's a movie that I remember seeing in the late eighties, and it is terrific. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger at his best. It gives you a, a really unique creature. It's basically just a, a group of army guys in the forest trying to survive against insurmountable odds. You get these host of characters who are all kind of fledged out. They all kind of have their own characteristics and you kind of like some of them. You don't like other ones, but they're all individuals. They all have their own talents. Um, the special effects are pretty good. It's got so many quotable lines thanks to a terrific script. Uh, Predator's one of these movies that, that 
they've, they've had a couple of sequels. There's a fourth one on the way. Nothing's even came close to the original. Um, but I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a masterpiece. I do. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a five star film for me. Um, but it isn't my number two. Oh. Which gives away what my number one is. But yeah, my number two is Die Hard. Um, look, the, depending what mood you're in, like the, the, these two films are so close. I mean, what a one-two punch. I've said this before, I think. It's just like, to release these two films back-to-back, you know, like one year apart, it's just like, wow, what an incredible run um, with regards to action movies. Two of the best action movies of all time. I think the, these two are easily in my top 20 action movies of all time. Uh Possibly top ten, to be honest. Um, I just, I don't know. I've I've always been more of a sci-fi fan. I, mm-hmm. I, I gravitate towards sci-fi. I love the design of the Predator, um, and it was one of the first eighteens that I got to see as a as a kid. Or R-rated movies, if you're American. Um, and uh, yeah. It just, yeah, I just remember seeing it as a kid so many times. Same with Die Hard. To be honest, you ask me to do my top five again in a month, these two could be swapped around. It's just, while I'm watching them, they're, 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 they're both one of the best action movies yeah. of all time. Uh, Die Hard, certainly just as iconic, if not, well, probably more so, I'd say. I think more people recognise Die Hard than Predator. But, yeah, I mean, I, I like quite a few of the sequels actually to to Predator um, I, I think Predator 2 is a guilty pleasure and I thought Predators was actually a pretty decent film um, even though the trailer lied to us but yeah you know I, I've, I've kind of given my number one and two there but yeah di- I mean Die Hard it's the blueprint isn't it for all yeah. for all the action films that came afterwards uh, Die Hard in a bus. Yeah. Die Hard in a boat. Yeah. Die Hard in a plane. Yeah, <laughs> it literally is. It's just all all action movies after that kind of had this trouble of doing something different to break the mold of just being well another Die Hard movie. And I don't I don't think it was really until we got like the Matrix really that action cinema kind of changed. I mean, even great action films like Speed. Like you say, it's die. It's still die hard on a bus, whichever way you cut it. Um, and it, yeah, it was really the Matrix that kind of changed the face of action movies once, once more after Die Hard. Um, po- possibly Terminator Two as well. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, um, yeah. But like you know, Predator is is one of my top three Arnie movies after the first two Terminators because I am a, a huge fan of those two Terminator films. But after that, yeah, Predator's my favourite Arnie film. Um, mm. I love it. Well, um, <clears throat> my number one is obviously Die Hard. It's a movie that I have watched countless times throughout my life. I think one of my favourite things about it um, is that it ties up every single character or every little bit of subplot perfectly. You know, whether it be the FBI guys, whether it be the news reporter, it, no little stone is left unturned. You get the hero who is sent through all this levels of misery only to come out on top and somehow save his marriage in the, in the same way as well. It's just, it's a perfect movie. It's a movie that I can watch any time. It's a Christmas movie. 
regardless of what anybody else says. <laughs> um, it is. So it's what, set at it Christmas. Is. It's got Christmas um, music in it. You see a Christmas tree in the, uh, the thing with Christmas decorations. Mm-hmm. How much more of a Christmas movie can it be? Yeah. It made Bruce Willis a star. Um, <coughs> it, it, it's, it's ultimately fantastic. And for me, this was the pinnacle of, of the, the action movie. Um, this, this was my favourite action movie up until a couple of years ago. Um, that this was the one that I held all our action movies up against, and I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. And I, so, I so what changed that? What was the movie from a couple of years ago? Uh, Mad Max Fury Road, oh. which I think redefined action movies. No, it didn't. It's so okay. overrated. Uh, hey, my opinion, your opinion. Yeah, I think it yeah, was yeah. tremendous. I I saw Mad Max three times in seven days at the cinema. Good grief. And. The first time I watched it, my eyes actually hurt because I was scared to blink um, in case I missed anything that was just so propulsive and just so energetic. But It's, it's got one of my favourite movie scores of all time, yeah. I'll say that much. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I do feel the film is a little overrated, I've got to say. It, it's, it's one of these things, I, I get this as well, movies get so much praise that, that you kind of go like, no, no. You're not getting it from me because everybody else is giving it to you. But it's one of these ones that you may go back to in a few years and maybe when it's died down, you may see the merits in it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, but yeah, Die Hard was my number one. So, right, Brian, are we moving on to our favourite part of the podcast? <laughs> yes, but before we do, just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, if you like what you've been listening to, if you listen to us regularly, you've probably heard me say this however many times we've done these podcasts, um, please do go onto iTunes and give us a rating. Uh, you know, you can do a five-star rating if you like. We'd much appreciate it. And just leave a few sentences of a review. It really helps us out. It, you know, it helps us to get seen so that we can get more listeners, um, which obviously is why we do this. We don't do this so that no one listens to us. Um, but, uh, yeah, that would be a great help. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great help and we would really appreciate it so yeah uh, and with that in mind let's get to particularly graham's favorite part of the show um <laughs> now uh what this is is we have five options for next time and Graham is going to pick one and i'm going to give read off the synopsis for these five different films and he's going to pick which one we're going to go. Uh, so, yeah, here goes. So, number one. One man, just released from prison, takes matters into his own hands to find his missing younger brother when the cops fail to move fast enough. Right. Number two. A young woman determined to make it in the world of modelling gets more than she bargained for when she meets the competition. Mm-hmm. Number three. One man must decide whether or not to continue pursuing a career as a criminal or join forces with his cop family who work for the very police force that are now disrupting his organisation. Number four. A young woman goes undercover as part of a plot to assassinate a ruthless and secretive intelligence officer. But the closer she gets to the man, the more dangerous it becomes. And finally, number five, 
The hunt for a serial killer will bring a reporter and the cop who is hunting for him close to the edge of sanity, where even the facts might not be enough to catch the killer in time. Oh. Um, I, I don't think I've got any ideas for any of them, Brian, but, <laughs> but they all sound uh, very interesting movies I like to watch. Two of them are films I've not seen. Ah, interesting. Um, the first one sounds familiar, the, mm. the plot for that. Um, I'm, I'm curious about that. The second one, I, I have an idea of what it possibly could be. Uh, I don't know if I'm right or wrong on that, and I, I'm unsure. Um, what What do you think it is? I think it's the Neon Demon. Um, I could be wrong, who knows? I usually am when it comes to this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one and two, I, I, a guy gets out of jail and goes on the hunt for his, whoever has his younger brother. Sounds familiar. I'm going to get rid of that, number one. Okay. That is one of the films I've not seen, and that oh. is Out of the Furnace. Right, I, I've not seen that either. Oh, that would have been perfect. But uh, okay, right. What was three, four and five again, Brian? Number three, one man must decide whether or not to continue pursuing a career as a criminal or join forces with his cop family who work for the very police force that are now disrupting his organisation. Yeah, I'm going to get ready to three. <clears throat> and that is We Own the Night. All oh, right, OK. I've not seen that either. All oh, right. <laughs> OK, four and five. Number four. A young woman goes undercover as part of a plot to assassinate a ruthless and secretive intelligence officer. But the closer she gets to the man, the more dangerous it becomes. And number five is? Number five, the hunt for a serial killer will bring a reporter and the cop who is hunting for him close to the edge of sanity, where even the facts might not be enough to catch the killer in time. See, like, number five sounds like a movie I've seen a thousand times. Uh, Different movies, but it's my kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'm going to get rid of four. Oh, four was the one I was hoping for, to be honest. But okay, uh, number four is Lust Caution by Ang Lee. Oh, right. So I've got two and five left. Mm -hmm. So I've got the models and I've got the serial killer. Mm -hmm. Can't we have a serial killer killing models, Brian? <laughs> I will, yeah, okay. Um, so, give me two again. Number two. A young woman determined to make it in the world of modelling gets more than she bargained for when she meets the competition. See, I'm, I'm really torn here because... That sounds a bit like the Neon Demon, and I've not seen that, and I've wanted a reason to watch it. But then, if it's not the Neon Demon, it could be any piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I, I love serial colours, but that thing sounds like the, the, sounds generic as all hell. You know, like a a reporter and a cop chasing after a serial killer. But it it's my kind of movie. It sounds like the kind of thing that I would sit and watch. I'll say. I'll do you want me to tell you what one of these two I have seen. One of them I haven't. Right. 
Um, are they? Can you tell me? Are they recent movies? They're both fairly recent movies, and I, I, I've, I've seen number five. I've not seen number two. I, um, I think I'm going to get rid of five. Okay. Number five is Zodiac. Oh, <laughs> I do. I do want to revisit that. Anything but a generic movie, and in fact, my favourite David Fincher film. <clears throat> oh, some point we'll get to that, right? That's one. So, what number two is. The Neon Demon. <laughs> oh, right. Well, that's good. I've, I've wanted to watch that. I've, want, I've been trying to think of a reason to have you, watch have, it. Have you never seen it? Nope. Oh, good. Well, I've never seen it either. So this, this will be interesting, I think. Yes, I've, I've heard some mixed. good things. Some I've things, heard yes. mixed things about this yeah. one. So, so I'm, I'm very curious about that. Mm. That's good. That, that, that's going to give me the impetus to actually check it out. Yeah. That's kind of why I put it on this list. It's been sat on my shelf for a while. I'm like, I don't want to watch that film, to be honest. <laughs> and it's like, why is it sat there? It's sat there because I picked it up for a pound on Blu-ray in a charity shop. And I'm right. like, do I really want to watch this film? Um, so it's like, if I, if I threw it into this list of five, there was a strong chance you'd pick it. And that's, to be honest, probably going to be the only chance I'm going to get to, to force myself to watch it. Um, it, it, for, lucky for me it's on Netflix in the UK right. and for our listeners if they're in the UK as well they can check it out before the next episode so that was good, good. we got to revisit um, a movie that bombed it turned out to be not too bad we've got to choose a movie for next month that, that, that could well let's face it we have no idea where that one's going to land <laughs> next month um, which, which should be interesting for the listeners there should yeah. be plenty to talk the about there at least top five for next month yeah oof Man, I didn't even think about that, and I never do, do I? Uh, I don't know. Is it Nicholas Winding Refn? It is Nicholas Winding Refn. Um, I I don't know if I've seen five of his films. To be honest, yeah, I'd, I've not seen these. I've I've got his <coughs> Pusher trilogy sitting there, but I've never watched that. Mm, um, yeah, I've I think I've I've seen Drive. I've seen Only God Forgives. Mm. I've seen Bronson. Bronson. And I've seen about 10 minutes of Valhalla Rising. Um, and I think that's it. So, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do a top five of his. Um, top five movies with colours in the title? <laughs> <laughs> top five neon-drenched thrillers. <laughs> There's been quite a few of them in recent years. But, uh, man, yeah, I'm stuck. What can I say? Um, top five movies starring one of the Fanning siblings. <laughs> oh, come on, Brian. No, Brian, don't do that again, please. No. No, <laughs> it's the only thing I've got right now. So there you well, go. You've maybe, got... maybe it's something we can think about and it'll just be a surprise for next episode. <laughs> No, you you got a choice between Ella Fanning and Dakota Fanning. Top five Fanning sibling movies. (laughs) Well, on that bombshell, folks, thanks for listening to the Bits on Flex podcast, and we will see you, or you'll hear us next month, where we will be talking about the Fanning sisters, unfortunately. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs> <Bye-bye>. <laughs>
Hello and welcome to Fuck. (laughs) 